This is the Better Bible Reading Podcast with Kevin Morris, episode number seven. Welcome to the Better Bible Reading Podcast, and as I said in the introduction, this is episode number seven, and if you have been listening with me uh, throughout each episode I've released, you will probably notice that I got a little bit ahead of myself last week and actually announced last week as episode seven, and maybe it's just because I've had so much fun that I lost track of the numbers, but I do promise you this is episode Number seven, and last week was episode number six, so I wanted to clear that up before I got any further with this. But uh, today, we're talking about redeeming the time, and many of you who've grown up in a church context, I'm sure, have heard that phrase many times, many sermons, studies, things like that, that uh, use that phrase. But the way that I want to talk about it is in a particular way, and that is in terms of time management for reading the Bible. So uh, the verse that that comes from in the Bible, I just want to read it to you. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and it is found in verse 16, but I will read it uh, starting in verse 15 just for a little bit of context. Here's what it says. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So it's an interesting way that Paul writing this calls the idea of making the best use of time or redeeming the time as a wise thing to do. And of course, in his context, the way that he is writing this to the Ephesians is in the way of walking in Christian love and he really goes straight from this into an application of all of our individual identities in the family. He starts talking about wives and husbands and then children's uh, interaction with their parents, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of different ways that this applies. Um, but in a more particular way, we want to think about it today in terms of reading the Bible. What does it mean to redeem the time in particular when we read the Bible? Well, I want to give you some time management tips a little bit more of a practical episode uh, than our traditional episodes where we've talked about uh, concepts of the Bible, genres of the Bible, the things we've been covering these past six episodes. I want to kind of bring it into a practical approach. Okay, I'm appreciative, Kevin, of everything you've talked about. I'm with you. I'm in agreement of the seriousness, the uh, relatability of the Bible to my life, But I'm a working person. I have a busy schedule. Life is hectic. How do I actually find the time to actually get to the Bible? I can listen to this podcast because I'm multitasking. I'm driving. I'm running. I'm working out. I'm doing my chores. I got my headphones in. I can take care of the other things. But how do I actually set aside that time and make good use of it to actually getting to the reading of the Bible part? How do I apply what we've been talking about? So. I want to cover that with you today in this episode. Uh, For those of you who have spent a lot of time at the Script and Song website, uh, you will notice, as I have mentioned previously, that there is both podcast episodes, there's audio, but there's also written articles. And I know that not everybody is the same. Not everybody 
appreciates taking time to read. After all, we're talking about making time to read the Bible. If you don't have time to read the Bible, or at least you don't think you do, I would imagine you probably don't have time to sit around and read a whole bunch of articles. Uh, but some of you do, and those of you who do will realize that I'm taking a little bit of information uh, in this episode from an article I wrote way back when, let's see when I wrote this, way back in November of 2018. So that was many moons ago. I can't believe it. It's already almost half a year from November to now. It's crazy. But anyways, uh, the title of that blog post was The Six Essential Steps of Bible Reading. You can go to scriptandsong.org forward slash six essential steps. That's S-I-X, essential steps. And you can read this article in its entirety. But I mentioned, uh, or I should say I dedicated several paragraphs to a practical approach of reading the Bible by managing our time. So pretend that you go to a new doctor, and when you walk up to the window for your appointment, you know what they tell you to do. Yeah, arrive an hour early. Arrive five hours early because we have a stack of paperwork that you have to fill out before you can actually see the doctor. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but just bear with me for this. And whenever you get that paperwork, you have to take an assessment of yourself before you go into that patient room and have a conversation and an evaluation with your healthcare provider, your doctor. And before you go back there, you have to fill out these stacks of papers that ask you so many questions about yourself. And it's kind of ironic because... You've probably answered these questions already before ever making the appointment in the first place. And by the way, why do you have to fill out all this stuff? Because isn't the doctor, the professional is supposed to help you sort out all these things instead of diagnosing yourself. But anyways, you have to fill out a lot of stuff about your current state and in terms of how your body is doing. Do you have any pain? What's your sleep schedule like? What's your family history like? What does a common day in your life look like? You know, you have to evaluate yourself. You have to fill in the blanks. You have to uh, assess the way that you live and how things are going for you in terms of your health. Well, we don't like doing that, number one, because it's just very tedious. Number two, because we just want a quick fix. We don't want to spend so much time thinking about the problems, thinking about what could be better, what could be worse. And we just want to get a quick fix. But it's the same way when I would pose a question to anyone who would want to make the argument of saying, Kevin, I really appreciate your website. I appreciate your podcast episodes. But look, I just don't really have time to read the Bible. Well, what I would say is let's take a serious, sober assessment of what your time looks like. So the same way that the doctor tells you fill in all of your categories of symptoms and your routine of life, etc., I'm going to ask you to do the same thing, but in terms of time. Now, I remember when I first started uh, attending the school that I go to, Moody Bible Institute, uh, one of the classes was in some ways like a personal development class, and it's the title of, of the course was Self and Social Identity in Christianity. So, in other words, it's it's a class that's supposed to help you uh, wrestle through the concept of identity and self through a Christian 
lens, through a biblical lens. And that class was really helpful. One of the things that uh, I didn't necessarily like at first was the fact that in the class, it's kind of prepping you for the courses to come. And one of the things that it says is, look, if you want to be successful in your courses, you need to really make a sober analysis of what your life looks like. We all know that life doesn't stop just because we're in college or in graduate school or in the middle of a career. And since you're taking these courses, it would be wise for you to make an assessment of your life. What does a typical day look like? And then make an assessment of how much time you dedicate to your schoolwork week in and week out and come to an answer of how much time do I realistically need for every course that I take in order to have ample amount of time to complete the assignments, the readings, and the interactions on the discussion board because it's an online class in this case for me. And so what you do is you go through and you have this little print off that has these blocks of time. And we're supposed to take, I think it was like two or three days to assess our lives. How much time do I spend doing every single thing? We had to be very, you know, strict and very accurate with the way that we recorded all of these findings. And after a couple of days in, I look back and you know, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, if I have enough time to actually uh, complete my courses and dedicate the time needed to fulfill all the assignments. So I was feeling good about that. But I also had to look at a sober assessment of how much time am I spending with everything in my day. So I had to look okay, how much time am I spending sleeping typically? How much time do I spend eating? How much time do I spend on my phone? How much time do I spend particularly on Facebook or video games or just dead time staring off into space. Uh, didn't have my daughter yet at this time, but I did have uh, all of my dogs. So I did spend a lot of time playing with them, kind of hanging out with them. But it was interesting to look at the fact that while I thought my day was really busy, I realized that I actually had quite a bit of time that couldn't really be accounted for anything. And I'm not talking about like one minute here or one minute there. I'm talking about 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. And they add up. They add up significantly. And I was really surprised to find out that I actually had quite a bit more time than I actually thought. So that was an interesting uh, analysis. And of course, through the lens of what Paul says for us as Christians to redeem the time, in a general sense, we want to think about the fact that we don't get to live forever on, on this side of earth. We get one life here, and the Bible describes it as a vapor, as a mist. You know, it's just this quick moment that it's here and gone, and suddenly our life is over. You know, I blink, and before I know it, I'll be in my 30s and my 40s and my 50s if the Lord gives me that long of a life. And it's, you know, really an, an interesting, kind of a weighty truth to realize our um, our, the shortness of our life. And if you kind of look at that in a magnified way, the shortness of how days pass by at this time, we're, we're already in April of 2019. It feels like 2019 has just gotten here, but 
mathematically, we're already a third through the year, which is crazy. But those kind of things we need to think about from time to time because we can get so caught up in our schedule, in our routine, or maybe even the lack thereof, that everything kind of progresses as one big blur, one big just in, intense rapid fire, one activity to the other, one day to the other, one week to the other. And before we can even have time to catch our breath and step back, so many things have happened. And Paul doesn't want us to redeem the time in terms of stay as busy as possible, fill in every single time slot, but rather he wants us to make the best use of the time and redeem the time. How? Well, remember, we want to look at that verse right before that. By living wisely. In other words, how do I spend my time? Not how much stuff am I doing, but how do I spend my time? Am I wisely investing the time given to me by things that are helpful to my life, helpful to others, and most importantly, glorifying to God? Now, this goes all the way back to several episodes we've talked about before. The fact that God has given us his word. If we want to spend our lives in a way that glorifies God, we want to take seriously the fact that he has given us his word. He hasn't given us a movie. He hasn't given us an audio recording. He's given us his written word. And the way that we respect that, honor that, see that as a glorious truth is by reading it. That's the only possible way that we can take that seriously, a written word, a recorded word by reading it. So if we want to dwell with God, if we want to spend time with him, we do so on his terms. And how has he decided in his infinite wisdom to communicate with us? He's given us his word that we may read it. So that means if we want to live wisely, if we want to make the best use of our time, then we say, I want to spend that time, invest that time the same way as I see a necessity of sleeping, as I see a necessity of eating. If I don't sleep, I will die. If I don't eat, I will die eventually. And so I must read God's word. It's that important. It's as important, regardless of how busy we are. Even if somebody wants to talk about how busy they are at work and they skipped a meal, well, they don't do that for weeks on end, right? They find a way to make time to eat. They find a way to make time to sleep because it's that important. If they're going to continue on in their existence. They must make time for that. And the same is true with God's word. The psalmist in Psalm 119, which is a really incredible chapter in the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's a chapter full of a celebration of God's law, which is another way of saying God's word. And it's a wonderful chapter that has so many applications, but here's what it says, particularly in the 25th verse. It says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. And then just a couple more verses down, it says, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Now, two things to just point out here. The psalmist sees the word of God as life-giving. My soul clings to the dust. It clings to death. It clings to ceasing to exist without you. And it is your life that gives me, it is your word that gives me life. 
But it's not just a one and done aspect. It's not just my soul clings to the dust, give me life. He says uh, in that other verse, my soul melts for sorrow, strengthen me according to your word. So God's word, number one, gives us life initially, but it gives us a sustenance. It gives us sustained life. Strengthen me according to your word. Give me life according to your word and strengthen me according to your word. And that's the kind of approach that we should have. The Christian life of redeeming the time is that of investing. It's not just find a good thing to do every once in a while or find God's word to read every once in a while, but it's a wise investment, a continued action, a repeated action. It's a give me life and it's a strengthen me. And I hope that that kind of perks you up a little bit to see the seriousness in the the need. It's not a question of if I have time. It's a question of how am I going to make time. It's a necessity. One other thing that was interesting uh, for me here lately, I talked about that um, time where I had to take an assessment of of my time. Uh, well, I also had to do that here recently uh, without even knowing it because um, I decided that I was going to get a new iPhone. And uh, whenever I got this new iPhone, I, I've been out of the out of the iPhone game for quite a while, a few years. And uh, once I got this iPhone, um, there was a lot of new things about it that I had to learn. A lot of uh, new apps that come on the phone. There's like a million apps that come on the phone now as soon as you get it. Uh, but one of them is kind of interesting because I, I wasn't anticipating this. Uh, but one of the apps that it gives to you on the phone is Screen Time. And uh, the way I found out about it was because I just randomly, a few days after I got the phone, received a message. And interestingly enough, it sent it to me on Sunday, Sunday morning on my way to church. And the app comes up and it says, you've spent this much time on your screen in this last week. And that was kind of a, a funny thing because, I, you know, it gives it in the hours and minutes you've spent 10 hours and 20 minutes. You've spent four hours and 15 minutes. And then one week later, it sends it to me again, and it keeps sending it to me weekly. And uh, I thought about turning it off because I was like, I don't really want to have an assessment. But after a while, I started thinking, you know, this is actually really helpful because without me trying to keep track in a logbook, so to speak, I get to know how much time I'm spending on my phone. Now, typically, I don't spend a whole lot of minutes actually talking on the phone I may text here and there, uh, but typically I don't even have my phone on me during the workday. So really, this is a good assessment. Uh, and by the way, if I spend time on my emails and things like that, I'm normally doing it on my laptop. So unless I'm away from my wife some re for some reason, most of those minutes or hours that it's giving me is kind of leisure time. It's time not necessarily dedicated to kind of important business or communicating with people at the church or, you know, things like that. It's kind of almost entirely leisure time. And you can kind of figure this out about yourself, depending on how you use your phone throughout the day. But anyways, it was just yet another example of me being able to see, okay, that's interesting because if I've spent seven hours of screen time on my phone, that doesn't count reading um, text messages or texting or actually talking on the phone in minutes, just screen time in general, then I know that I have, on average, an extra hour every day 
of just time kind of killed. Not really doing anything, but just finding myself scrolling on an endless news feed on Facebook or doing a web search for whatever in the world or Amazon or whatever the case may be. And there's just, you know, those minutes, even if they're five minutes here, five minutes there, they add up over time. And then you realize, wow, I actually had an extra hour today that I didn't even realize or actually had an extra two hours today that I didn't realize initially. So think about those things. Think about those moments. How can you redeem the time? Remember, it's not about making sure you fill every single last time slot, but rather it's about, do I actually have the time in the day that I don't even realize I have? And since it's that necessity of reading, it's not a question of do I, it's a question of where am I going to carve it out at? How can I make this work? We should have that kind of approach to it. So let's get to the practical aspect now, now that we've talked about that for a while. So the question is, how do we redeem the time? How do we actually find some help of managing our time for reading the Bible? Some some time management tips. So let me let me give you a few. So we want to make room for what matters, and that is, as we've already said, reading the Bible. It matters. It's a necessity. It's the way God's decided to communicate with us. And so it's a necessity that we do this. So now let's talk about the when. So many of us have entirely different daily schedules from time to time. Uh, it's estimated that less than 15% of Americans are involved in daily Bible reading. And most of the time, this isn't due to the fact that you don't have a Bible at your house. It's just that the time management isn't there. It's not happening. For one case or another, it's not happening. So imagine you had a friend, and this friend you haven't talked to in quite a while. You know him from high school, you know him from college. Your friend's on Facebook, so you must be really good friends. Uh, but anyways, you don't you haven't seen them for a while. You go to the store, and you just happen to run into this person. Maybe it's been a few weeks. Maybe it's been a few months. It's been a few years. And it's good to see him. You catch up for a couple minutes, but you're in Walmart or wherever you're at at the store, and it's not really a good setting to really spend a lot of time catching up. And so you say, you know, it'd be really good to hang out. We should, we, we need to get together sometime. We need to hang out. We need to make this happen. And the other person agrees. We need to make this happen. Let's do it. And you leave from the store, and let's be honest, how many times has that happened? Probably a lot throughout the course of your life, but how many times have you actually followed through and called that person and made plans to hang out with them and actually do it? Probably precious few times. Maybe that's never happened. We all have that friend. I call it, it's a friend in the theory, right? Because a true friend, you take the time to hang out with them. Maybe even a true friend, you don't even let it get to the point where you need to hang out for so long, but you just haven't, you, you make it happen. You make it because you're not just friends in theory, you're true friends. Now, what I'm getting at is a lot of times we think about God in that way, or we think about Bible reading in that way. In theory, it you know, we want to read the Bible. In theory, we want to spend time in the Word, but it's just that we really need to get together soon mentality. We really need to catch up again soon. 
But unless you practically, or I should say actively, find a way to make it fit in your schedule, it's not going to happen. It's not going to magically just cure, be cured one day. You got to find a way to make it happen. So how do we do that? Well, you could go the route that I talked about earlier, make an assessment of your entire day, find a time log and fill it out and be honest and be thorough with how you're actually spending time from day in to day out. Or you could even think about, well, I kind of have a lot of leisure time. I have a lot of dead time here and there. I don't know how many hours I'm spending, but find some kind of app. Find You can do it on the iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, I'm sure there's something on the uh, on Android phones that will help you kind of log how many minutes or how many hours you're spending on any given app on your phone throughout the day. And eventually those those times add up. You could do it that way. Or if you don't want to go through all that, just here's a simple question. What time do you wake up every morning? How is it different throughout each day? And then the second question, what time do you go to bed every, every night? How does that change throughout the week? Now, those are kind of like extremely like fundamental questions, but very, very, very basic questions, right? But a lot of times, at least for me, I do best with trying to read first thing in the morning. Now, it doesn't always happen, but nine times out of ten, that, that's like the primary time that I'm going to try to make to read. And the reason why, well, it's a few reasons, but one of the one of the main reasons is because I know that if I let myself get in a mode of procrastination, I'm going to make a schedule of procrastination. In other words, I work off of deadlines instead of initiative if I ever let it get to that point. So what do I mean? Well, I mean, if I don't make time to read first thing in the morning, I'm going to say, I need to read when I get home. Then when I get home, I'm going to say, I need to read before dinner. Then after I eat dinner, I'm going to say, I need to read before bed. And then I get into bed and I say, I need to read before I fall asleep. And then eventually, you get what I'm saying? It's pushed and pushed and pushed back. And before I know it, the day's over and I still haven't read. And that's problematic if you multiply that by days or by weeks. Eventually, you get to the point where you're just that, again, your relationship with the Bible is, I'm friends with the Bible in theory. I really need to get back together with it one day. We really need to catch up one day, and it just never happens. It's this perpetual procrastination that never finds any kind of solution or um, fulfillment of actually completing the task of making time to read. So you may say, well, you know, I get what you're saying. I could probably make a schedule if I think about what time I get up. So you probably know where I'm going with this. If you get up at six o'clock, start getting up at 540. If you go to bed at 10 o'clock, start going to bed at 1030. Or if you don't want to make yourself stay up later, if you go to bed at 10 o'clock, start going to bed at 930 and then take that 30 minutes and apply it to the first thing in the morning. Take that 30 minutes you went to bed earlier and then wake up 30 minutes earlier, right? You see where I'm going with this? Well, you might say, okay, I've heard that before. Maybe I could do that. But here's the problem is that I don't work a nine to five every single day. I work somewhere where I have different hours for every single day. And I might not know um, until 
the week beforehand what my schedule is going to be like. And if I have to close really late at night, I'm not going to wake up as early in the morning on the following day as I would on a day where I'm opening, you know, that kind of thing. Well, here's the thing. Almost everybody that's listening to this, I would assume, has a smartphone. You know, the thing about smartphones is they have alarm clocks. And the thing about alarm clocks on smartphones is that you get to set as many of them as you want. You can use them as reminders or you can just use them as it's wake up time. But the thing is you can set them for different times for different days of the week. It's kind of a simple thing, right? Well, here's the thing. If you have a schedule that looks different every single day, then make a different schedule for every single day. Flexible schedules are still schedules. It doesn't have to be the same time frame every single day. It's like I get up at 6 o'clock to get ready for work. I want to make sure that I have time to read before I go to work. So let me take that 30 minutes and make, I'll get up at 5.30. So I got 30 minutes, or let's be honest, I need a few minutes to actually wake up. So 5.15, start reading at 5.30. You got a little bit of time to wake up by that time. And then you got 30 minutes to read. Well, if I happen to oversleep one day or something like that, then I miss that time slot. Well, what happens? Well, if we live off of a strict schedule where this is the time that I read every day and something happened and I just messed up, we could say, okay, well, I missed it for that day, so now I'm just not going to read for that day. Well, hopefully, again, going back to the food analogy, if you miss a meal, you don't just say, well, it's okay, I'll just eat tomorrow. Well, that's great, but... That's not really realistic. We normally don't do that, right? We, we find a way. If you miss your 12 o'clock time frame for lunch, you normally don't say, ah, I'll just wait until dinner. Normally you're like, well, I, I'll eat a later lunch, but I'm still going to eat. I'm going to find some time to, to work it into the schedule. Same thing with reading. It's okay for schedules to be flexible because we all know that life happens. Stuff happens we can't predict, but if we're so hardcore of this is my time frame and the only time frame that I have to read. Then if we miss it, then we're just done until the next day or we're done until the evening or whatever the case may be. And it shouldn't be like that. We need to be able to adapt. We need to be able to be flexible. But the point is carve in that time regardless of what it takes, because again, it's a matter of necessity. If we see it as necessary, we're going to find the time. We're going to find a way to redeem the time, to make the most use of the time. But it starts with an honest evaluation. You don't have to wake up three hours earlier than you normally do every day. Whatever way works, whatever time slot is the best, make that your time slot and be as faithful as possible. And if that time slot gets swept over by something that comes up unexpectedly, find a new time slot for that day. Don't say, well, I missed it for today. I'll just start again tomorrow. Just don't, don't do that. There's still plenty of hours left in the day. Find a time to work it in and and be faithful in it. And I'm sure that the Lord will bless you for that. Now for me, one of the reasons that I like trying to read first thing in the morning, and regardless if it's a 5.30 time frame or if you, that sounds like terrifyingly too early for the kind of schedule that you have. Okay, whatever the case, 
maybe 7.30, 8.30, whatever time frame. It doesn't have to be 5.30. I'm just using an example here. But one of the reasons I like that so much is because, as you know, and as I myself have learned, when we wake up, we typically don't wake up in a slow, steady pace. We're normally bombarded with the problems of life and the events and challenges of the day. Now, sometimes it's kind of self-inflicted because our default reaction when we wake up is to immediately grab our phones, go on Facebook, check the news, check the text messages that you were asleep and didn't hear when they came through at 12 o'clock at night. And suddenly, before you know it, you've only been awake for two minutes, but you have 12 million thoughts running through your head. And then whenever you make it into your living room or sitting at the dining table or if you have a study or somewhere that's kind of quiet you can go to, you find that even though you're there in front of your Bible getting ready to read it, your mind is already consumed with stuff. You haven't even left your house yet. You haven't even gone to work. You haven't even um, got up to help your kids get ready. If you have kids, you haven't even really done the hands-on things. You've simply picked up your phone for a couple of minutes and suddenly you're just right into the day with all kinds of thoughts. Well, that happens to me a lot of times. And so as much as I possibly can, I want to read first thing in the morning and I want to be careful enough, as tempting as it may be for some of us that are so accustomed to it, just not even look at social media. Try not to look at any text messages or emails or anything like that. Try not to even go there until you've spent that time in the Bible, spend that time with the Lord reading. Because even if you have three hours in the middle of the day that you can read, but you're doing so with your mind already consumed with everything involved with the day, or if you have your phone out and you're looking at social media or reading different things that come in via text message or email, those three hours really aren't even well spent because your mind is kind of half there with what you're reading in the Bible. And a lot of times, those 30 good minutes of uninterrupted, focused reading are better than three-hour kind of casual reading here and there. A lot of times, the same way with uh, text messages. Now, text messages have kind of turned into forums because... Once upon a time, text messages were kind of just helpful ways to get a quick answer or a quick uh, thought thrown out there to somebody. Hey, call me whenever you get a chance. Just kind of a quick, almost like a, you know, way back in the day, what what pagers used to be. Just letting somebody know, hey, contact me, get in touch with me, we got to talk. Well, nowadays, text messaging is a perpetual, never-ending conversation. And a lot of times we're in the middle of a text message with somebody while we're also talking to somebody else face-to-face. We have a conversation that's really just going on for the sake of going on. There's not an end in sight. There's not a goal to the conversation. And sometimes that's fine, especially if it's your spouse just keeping an open line of communication. But typically, Text message conversations are conversations that are kind of here, there, leisurely. There's no real depth to them. There's no seriousness to them. And and a lot of times we know this to be true because the moment that it does get serious, 
hopefully anyways, normally somebody's going to pick up the phone and go ahead and make the transition from text messaging to on the phone conversation. And the whole point of that is when somebody does that, they're saying, okay, we're now moving from leisure talk to serious focused one-on-one conversation. The point I'm getting at is this. If the way that we approach the Bible is likened to the way that we have this kind of just surface-level, back-and-forth text conversation where while we're having that, everything else in life is happening, like twisted and mingled in the midst of that conversation, normally it's not really a good in-depth conversation. It's one thing to have a leisure back-and-forth conversation with somebody via text message. It's another thing to be able to meet up with that person face-to-face and have a one- or two-hour in-depth conversation or, or time of catching up. You know, the, those those are memorable moments that, that have depth to them. They have meat to them. And it's the same thing when we read the Bible. We want to do so not just in terms of how long we spend reading, but the depth and concentration aspect of it as well. Three hours of con- of concentration is a lot different than three hours while the TV's going, while there's other people in the room, while we're also texting on our phone, while we're driving. You know, you get what I'm saying. You know, our, our focus, our concentration can only be divvied out so many different ways until we just aren't there mentally in full capacity. And so I hope that that's helpful for you to consider. So you want to think about that in terms of your schedule. You want to think about it in terms of your concentration and and the way that you're focused in on what you're reading. And believe it or not, that can really go a long way in how your time spent reading the Bible begins to be helpful. You begin to retain more. You begin to remember what you read the day before. And hopefully, one other thing that you can do, and I'll kind of close with this. If you read first thing in the morning, I try to do this. I'm I'm not always faithful at, at making sure that I do this, but I really try to do this. If you read in the morning, before you go to bed, depending on how you how you like to split up your, your reading times, if you like to do morning and evening, I would highly recommend that. Um, but let's just say you don't do that. Let's say you haven't made it to that schedule yet, but you're you're faithful at that morning schedule. You're getting those mornings before you go to work or before everybody gets up in your house and you start being involved with, with everything going on, that you're reading morning after morning. And that's great. One of the things that you should do and that I should try to do as well, before you go to bed, in your time when you're praying, take just a couple minutes and try to mentally rehearse what you read that morning. One of the whole reasons that it's good to read in the mornings is because it helps inform our day once we go to work, right? I, I can I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I'm I'm a better person to be around and mentally my mind is keyed in on the Lord and the reality of my Christian life 
a million times more if I'm reading before I begin the day. But one of the biggest problems is that sometimes we just completely forget about what, what we've read. The whole point of reading is to learn about the Lord, to commune with Him, to spend time with Him. But He doesn't want us to immediately get up and forget, right? You hear about that in the in the book of James. It says that a foolish person, somebody who lacks wisdom, interestingly enough, the whole thing that Paul tells us that we should have, wisdom, when it comes to redeeming the time, James says that somebody that isn't wise, somebody that's foolish, is like somebody that goes and looks at a reflection of themselves, and as soon as they get up, they forget what they looked like. They forget what that reflection looked like. And a lot of times we do that when it comes to reading the Bible. We might hit that that time slot. We might be faithful at it. But are we retaining it? I'm not talking about how good of a memory you have on your own accord. I'm talking about the Word, as the psalmist says, being hidden in our hearts implanted, taking up root firmly in good soil and growing and flourishing and invest. Remember investing that time. The whole point of investing is to see a good return, to see a good result. And one of the simplest ways that I've found to help with that is to just, before I go to bed, set a reminder on your phone, whatever you got to do and just say, what did I read this morning? And regardless if you can rehearse every word that you read or not, it's so good, it's so helpful to just think back through what you read earlier. And a lot of times it's even it's even better if you not only do that, but kind of use that as a way to inform your prayers before you go to sleep. So here's kind of the pattern that I'm talking about here. In this Example, at least wake up first thing in the morning, you read, you read God's word, you go on about the rest of your day. Hopefully you've spent time praying as well before you do that. Um, But I'd like to talk about that in more detail in another episode, but just follow with me here. So you read first thing in the morning, you begin your day, you go to work, you go to class, whatever you're doing. And then the end of the day. You ask yourself, after all the busyness is done, after all the text messages, after all the events on social media, after all the conversations with people has happened, you get to the point where you're getting ready for bed, and you ask yourself the question, what did I read today? Remind yourself of what you've read that day, and then bring it even further than that. Let it move right into your time of prayer and assess yourself. And of course, this is not all in your own accord. This is with the help of the Lord. This is with the Holy Spirit prompting us, convicting us. And you say, how well did I live in response to what I've read? I'm not talking about performance Christianity. I'm talking about what did I learn about God this morning? And how did it change the rest of my day? How did that inform the kind of person that I was as a spouse, as a coworker, as a boss, as a student, as a father, as a son? If we're honest, you know, a lot of times 
the answer isn't so good. But I would contend that one of the reasons the answer isn't a good answer is because we often forget what we read. We do it so leisurely, we do it so haphazardly, that we're not trying to do it to invest time wisely. But we're doing it just to say that we did. Or just because we don't want to feel guilty that we didn't. And that's exactly what Paul is not telling us to do when he talks about redeeming the time. It's instead a matter of necessity. And it's a matter of investment. It's a matter of wise living. And so with all these practical applications that I've given in this episode, I hope that I've encouraged you to take a serious evaluation of your life because we can get all the advice we want, we can get all the practical application we want, but if we don't see how it correlates to the nitty-gritty lives that we live, it does us no good. So you got some serious homework, hopefully. You want to take this and run with it. You want to use it to help your reading process. And uh, just a, a final word, um, I would certainly want to commend you to check out that blog post. Of course, we're talking about reading and finding the time to read, and I understand that. Uh, but just if there's one blog post that you're going to read on the website, you don't have to read anything else, but if there's one that you're going to read, I would certainly want you to check out that one that I made way back in November of last year, The Six Essential Steps of Bible Reading. Because I walk through so many elements of reading the Bible, I hope, I pray, I trust, after you've read that article, there will be no question in terms of if you read the Bible. Instead, the question is going to be, how can I make this work? How can I see results? How can I grow in this? And how can I make this happen faithfully? So I want to leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I appreciate all the support, all the feedback that I've gotten. And once again, I just want to ask, if you've listened to this, if you've benefited from it, please consider sharing this with somebody who would be interested in listening to it. I really want to see more and more people helped. I want to have more conversations uh, fostered with people of how we can implement better reading techniques of the Bible, how we can study it, how we can understand it uh, to greater lengths. And that's what it's all about. I want, I want to help you. And I hope this episode and other episodes have. Uh, but, and if they have, the thanks that you can show to me is by helping me get the word out, helping me promote this podcast channel to other people. So this is Kevin Morris with the Better Bible Reading Podcast. You can find me over at scriptandsong.org where you can find other resources that I got going on. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day or evening. Thanks for listening.